Well, hello out there, and welcome to Rock is Bacchus. Today on the line, we have the famed, okay, maybe not so famous, uh, Shane, Shane Stackpole uh, pole to uh, tell us about his first contact. And uh, also in honor of your uh, first, first contact and first appearance on this subject, uh, Shane, I've uh, figured out how to download a uh, musical intro to you. So here it comes. <laughs> So on that note, charge right in and tell us about your uh, story or introduce yeah. yourself first. Uh, yeah. Hi. Um, yeah. Shane, uh, Shane here. Um, yeah. So first contact. Um, well, I'll give you a bit of a bit of history. I uh, was uh, recently released from the, the army, um, 17 years with uh, first battalion, princess Patricia's um, spent, four years as a supporter at uh, Seesaw where I, I met you. Right. Um, but yeah, first, uh, first contact at 2006, I was part of uh, I guess the first battle group to go down south into uh, Kandahar, Afghanistan. Um, it was with a company, one PPCLI, uh, two platoon. We, um, we were sent kind of, I guess, north no, it would have been southwest of, of Kandahar City in a, in a, a place called Gunbad, a uh, really, really small village up in the mountains. And the term um, Gunbad, was it? The name was Gunbad? Yeah, Gunbad, G-U-N-B-A-D. So the only time gun is good is when it's in your hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, first time I ever got shot at was uh, with, with an RPG up at uh, Gunbad, the patrol, uh, our patrol base. Um, yeah, I, you know, I remember it like yesterday. Did, did they get a hit or did it sail overhead? No, no it was, uh, overhead, flew overhead and you could hear the, the whoosh and then the, the bang off kind of in the distance. So they, they missed, completely missed. But <laughs> as was, they, uh, as often, they did quite often, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, uh, we ended up finding out that what they were doing was, uh, setting the RPG warheads up to, to self-detonate at a, at a certain distance. Okay. So yeah, they would stand off, you know, eight, eight 900 meters and, and just kind of lob them in, hoping that uh, something would hit. Sort of like they did with their rockets and mortars. They'd prop it up yeah. on logs and hopefully it landed near a population of us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, the very first, that was the first time I shot at. Um, you didn't get to return first, fire at that time? Pardon me. You 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 guys had nothing to return fire at at that time. Well, the the guys in the labs uh, um, returned a bit of fire, but it was uh, it was a quick kind of you know quick welcome to the country. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you um, for your gift. Here's ours. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I remember uh, me and a, it was nothing more than you know kind of two wire concerted fence around. Um, around the patrol base and, uh, me and another, uh, friend of mine, we, uh, we ended up rushing out, uh, out front and kind of manning the, the front gate for, for a couple hours and, uh, nothing else came of it. Um, oh, that was your first contact. Yeah. Well, what was the first one where you were turning fire? Yeah. The, the very first firefight I was in wasn't until we got there in country around January, I believe. January or February, um, Charlie Company was was kind of hanging out around Kandahar, uh, Panjway, 
uh, Zari district area. Yeah. So they were, uh, they were getting in quite a few firefights. Because of where we were, um, we had to deal with IEDs more. Um, so we didn't really get stuck into it until um, May, late May or early June, I believe it was. And you um, got there in January, did you say? Yeah, it was January or February. Um, but yeah, once we started getting getting into it, um, it was it was pretty pretty constant for for the better part of three months. Well, you got there the, just before the fighting season uh, started, so you had yeah. a couple of about a six to eight weeks to sort of acclimatize before the shit hit the fan. Yeah, exactly. And that, at that point, they didn't know who we were. They didn't understand what our vehicles were capable of. <laughs> so they, they kind of would poke and prod and, you know, um, try and figure things out. And um, one-on-one battles, you know, one-on-one fights, they, they couldn't stand to... Stand up to it. Yeah, yeah, they had no chance. But that didn't mean they, they, they didn't give it a try. No, Exactly. Exactly. But the, uh, yeah, the first tick, troops in contact was, it was end of May, beginning of June. Like I said, I forget exactly like the exact date, Yeah. but there, uh, there's some videos on YouTube actually of it. Uh, I believe it was called operation Zahar. Yeah. They, they sent us into, um, Zari district and it was essentially just one big kill box. Um, you know, they gave us, left and right Eric's and said if it if it our ROEs at the time were pretty broad and they uh they said if it if it moves you can shoot it um but we rolled in uh it was zero dark stupid um and I remember sleeping in the back of the lab we had the the air sentries up um when all of a sudden you could start to hear the the crack and um small arms fire yeah you could poke my head kind of up through the, the air sentry hatch and you could see the tracers, tracers flying over the lav. <laughs> it's always an ominous sight, eh? Because oh, you know geez, with those yeah. tracers, there's another couple of non-tracers following yeah, in. Exactly. <laughs> um, like okay. early, early morning, like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Um, but yeah, every 10, 15 minutes, we would, the air sentry guys, we would switch off. Um, yeah, I can, why, why were you switching off? Um, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I think it was more, more fear slash the experience of it all. It was all so new to us at the time. Want, uh, wanting to get your uh, shots in before it was all yeah, over. Yeah. We all kind of wanted to experience it and, um, see how we'd react, I guess. And so how did you react? Uh, at first, terrified. Yeah, you know anyone who says they're not terrified is is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might not be terrified in the immediate first action of it, but it's sort of like jumping out of an airplane. You're not really scared the first time because your mind is so fogged up from fear. Yeah. You don't realize you're scared. Yeah, well, and, and that was that was something that was surprising to me was just how effective the training can be. Um, there's that. There's that initial moment of, of fear and, and panic and um, like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, this, this is fucking for real. Somebody wants to kill us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but once that subsides, it's, you know, the, the training kicks in and you're kind of, you're almost in uh, um, autopilot. 
So did, did you guys advance onto the target or were you returning fire from a fixed position? Um, a bit of both. That We, uh, we advanced, um, if I remember correctly, pretty much all morning. Um, we uh, there, There's some parts of this that I, I don't remember exactly what happened. Um, so I'm, I'm sure somebody out there might to correct me on this, but yeah, I remember it being really, really early in the morning. Like I said, one or two o'clock, um, we fought through, um, came to, uh, by the time that initial firefight was over, it was, you know, six o'clock in the morning. It was light. Um, we dismounted, um, started pushing through again. Um, when we came up to this kind of L-shaped wall or uh, road um, and came under contact again, uh, this time dismounted. Um, Did you know where the uh, contact was coming from? More or less. Um, there is a, kind of a, a high wall, and then, like I said, there, there was the l shape to it. Um, and one of the uh, Bravo section was kind of on the lower portion of the wall. And there is on the other side of the wall was, was uh, uh, just a big wide open field. And on the other side of that field is where uh, was a, a tree line. And that's where they were uh, shooting at us from. Yeah. They, um, they had a little ditch, to, uh, like a trench to lay out in as well, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Fairly but common. Yeah, we, uh, we managed to fight through that. Um, we ended up pulling, pulling back from that. Um, and they called in, uh, called in, a, an airstrike where, uh, a buddy of mine actually got, uh, he had a, a 500 pound JDM dropped on his head, not literally dropped on his head, but he, uh, he woke up in the, uh, the crater and, uh, just like, what the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> how, how was he? Uh, his brain was a little scrambled, but he was, uh, no internal injuries, no, uh, you know, no cuts or bruises or anything. But, what a hell of a concussion. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty wild. He, uh, he has a funny story about that. I guess, uh, when they flew him back to, uh, to the airfield, uh, the roll three there, um, some general kind of heard the story and, uh, started asking him questions and it was like, there's no way it was that close. And he, he, just replied, well, sir, I was, I was fucking there. <laughs> I, I was in the crater, fucker. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to believe me if you don't want to. <laughs> I, I was, uh, how was communications while this was all going on? Uh, I was a private, Steve, at the time. So to be honest with you, I don't know. Okay. Um, you know, within the section and within this, the, the platoon, it was really good. Um, as, as far as comms to... to um, Within the sections and yeah, as, as far as comms to the the company level and above, I, I I couldn't tell you, but I mean every everything was well coordinated. You you knew what you were supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah, we had our own little area, and uh, you know the rest of the company was in their their other areas. Um, yeah. So, you you were frightened, uh, terrified, as you I think you put it. And uh, at what point did the training take over and you just sort of said, fuck it, let's get this done? Um, almost immediately. Yeah. You know, again, there was that, that sticker shock, so to speak. Um, 
at first and then it just kind of I don't know it's it's one of those things it's it's hard to explain you know yeah well the mass confusion and yeah and the unexpectedness of it I suppose yeah it's it's and did you did you uh did you react as you expected you you were going to react um no <laughs> <laughs> what 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 was the expectation or what was uh, the reality of it well i had no idea okay you know, um, but you were looking forward to it yeah you were you were yeah, how old I, yeah i know it sounds weird um not at all but I, I i was surprisingly calm with it yeah and like i said after that all that initial fear and, and panic kind of subsided it was one of the most common experiences i've ever had how did it how did it compare to the, your uh, next contact um the, f- the first one was was easily the, the most memorable and, the, and you know the scariest the the subsequent ones it, it got to the point where um you kind of just let go you know the 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 saying or the tough guy saying of um, well you're already dead so you might as well not worry about it yeah as cheesy and as lame as that sounds it was kind of kind of where we all ended up the mindset you needed to have to keep going forward yeah and you want to live forever exactly it was strangely freeing and um, once you once you set into that um, once you realize that there you know Outside of your training, a lot of a lot of bullshit luck, you know, went went into the surviving, and there was nothing you could do with it, you know. Were Were you aware? Who, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I know uh, one guy, a good friend of mine, on third uh, uh, of August, um, he he pulled up, or he pulled up uh, in in a G wagon, um, took one step out of the G wagon and shut the door behind him and. Uh, you know, within millimeters of, of him hitting him around a seven, six, two round hit the, uh, hit the window, Jesus. you know, literally millisecond had he delayed opening that door, you know, a millisecond or whatever that round would have, would have hit him. Yeah. And so shit like that, like really weird shit like that happened quite often. And yeah. The G G wagon gave you a false sense of security. I mean, it was better than the Altus, but uh, not by much. No. No. And I, uh, one of my jobs or my primary job was, was to a G wagon driver for the first four months, three, four months. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> yeah. Talking about letting go and, you know, <laughs> did, uh, every, every wadi, every bump in the road, it was like, Oh fuck, here we go. <laughs> so did you guys take uh, casualties during your first contact other than buddy who woke up in the bomb crater? No, um, no one in our platoon took, uh, actually, that's not true. Sorry. Um, we, the only casualties our platoon took was an IED earlier on, uh, I think it was around March, March or April. Um, our platoon commander, our headquarters car got, uh, got hit. Um, nobody seriously injured, thankfully. Um, but there was uh, a broken ankle, uh, some burns, um, that kind of stuff. Funny, funny sidebar to that. The uh, all the rounds started cooking off. We were carrying like 
three or four full uploads. So, you know, yeah. several thousand rounds of, of 25 millimeter in the cars. Um, but they all started cooking off due to due the explosion. So we Jesus. all kind of had to pull back and uh, get your heads down a bit. Yeah, but we ended up calling in uh, an airstrike on the uh, on the lab, and we blew it in place. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped a couple of bombs on it, and then uh, two A-10s did some strafing runs on it. The A-10s are just freaking amazing. They're like oh, the yeah, uh, I love them. the spooky gunships, the uh, yeah. armored her uh, gunned up Herks. It's like yeah. it's like the devil calling. No, exactly. They they saved our butts a bunch of times. Yeah, between them and the the Apaches that the Brits had, they they were both incredible. What what's your opinion uh, on? Uh, I mean, we lost a lot of guys to IEDs, a lot of a lot of injuries, deaths, and just just plain guys got fucked up with IEDs. Uh, yeah. What what's your opinion on the uh, guys that were laying the IEDs? Um, in what way, Steve? Like, do you like? Do I hate them or do I? No, what 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 I'm what I'm getting at is a lot of a lot of guys, military guys, um, civilian guys especially, and a good chunk of military guys um, thought of these guys that laid the IEDs as cowards. I, on the other hand, thought they had balls because not only did we have the night vision, but we owned the skies, and quite often some predator drone flown from a flown by a guy thousands of miles away was yeah. coming in and blowing them to shit. So I thought I thought they had balls for doing it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. So, something I found out on um, the the 2006 tour was that the, the guys laying the bombs, we, we actually, um, we caught two guys. Our, uh, my section commander was standing on top of uh, the lav, or sitting on top of the lav, having a smoke. Uh, it was the middle of the day. And um, he saw two guys with uh, one with a shovel and one with a pickaxe, kind of walking through uh, a wadi, um, yeah. maybe a couple hundred meters away. Um, so me and two other guys, I was driving the G wagon. We loaded up into the G wagon and uh, managed to to catch them with their pants down, so to speak. And sure enough, they they dropped an ID and um, their their equipment. Um, but we managed to uh, we chased them for a bit. Got out, um, shot at them. I, I missed the one kid, um, and it's one of those things. I'm I'm almost glad I did because we ended up um, chasing him into a cave and, and pulling him out. And he was he was maybe fourteen or fifteen years old. Yeah. Um, but what we found out was that he wasn't necessarily a member of, of Taliban or um, he wasn't necessarily a bad guy. What had happened or what was happening was these kind of mid-level Taliban bomb makers or, or whoever leaders um, were going into villages and saying to, to the vi local villagers like, Hey, you know, we'll give you 20 bucks American if you go plant this bomb and try and kill some Canadians. And that's a huge amount of money. Yeah, and I mean, twenty bucks American to them is, you know, that's two or three years worth of of salary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so of course they're going to. Um, yeah, you looking back on it, you, you can't really blame them for for taking the cash. I mean, their lives no. are well yeah. ha day to day, hand to mouth kind of thing, dependent yeah. on the weather, dependent on who whoever was invading their country at that particular century or time and in, in place. I mean, yeah. it, 
the only thing that's changed in Afghanistan is the methods of killing each other. We st- no, exactly. Still come yeah, in but, and... <laughs> but we, um, the guy who ended up uh, interrogating him back at the uh, patrol house, Scott, uh, Scott Shipway, Scotty Shipway, he ended up um, getting killed in 2008, I believe. Mm-hmm. But during, uh, during his interrogation of this kid, um, I guess the kid just passed out on him and turns out he got bit by a scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> So we ended up having to go back and uh, we went into cardiac arrest. And I don't know if he ever lived or not, but yeah. I mean, karma's a bitch, I guess. Yeah. My, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have quite the sexy story like that, but my job was to, uh, when guys got scooped up, uh, my job was to, to make sure that they were, they were physically in good shape and that, uh, we, we, they couldn't claim that we'd beaten them, uh, yeah. or, or tortured them. So I, yeah. you know, they'd strip down, um, very reluctantly, because of course they didn't want to show their genitals or anything to to another man. Sure. But hey, I'm the doc, and you're going to do it one way or the other kind of thing. But yeah. the one guy kept pissing himself. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know a guy could hold that much urine. Every yeah, every time I, I said something, he'd piss himself. And that, fun, was, uh, that was pretty common. Yeah, I think I don't know if they did it out of fear or they were told to uh, piss themselves because well, we'd I, be disgusted I, with it. Wondered that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard I've heard uh, stories saying they've been told to piss themselves. Um, but this one guy, we were stripping him down, and under his man jammies there, he had a Carlton Place Bingo Hall T-shirt on it. <laughs> so somebody in a, somebody in Ontario, you know, made a donation to whatever charity, and that charity supplied the uh, Taliban <laughs> with a couple yeah. of cool T-shirts. Yeah. We were laughing our asses off, and he's still staring at us like, oh, "What are you laughing at?" Well, you're wearing. An Ontario uh, T-shirt or a T-shirt found in Ontario. It was freaking <laughs> hilarious. And then, then the other guy, steal your steal your topic for a minute. He was uh, mentally handicapped. So yeah. he, I don't know why I was in on on that interrogation because usually I wasn't in on the interrogations. Yeah. Um, he must have had health issues as well. I, I don't recall anymore. But uh, he uh, he was mentally re- re- retarded or handicapped, however you want to put it. And yeah. as the guys are showing him the picture, he's going, oh, yeah, that's my dad or my brother, my uncle. He makes the bombs. This guy does the, uh, you know, switches or whatever. And he's just talking away like he was having a normal conversation. But he just didn't know any better. But yeah. <laughs> for a, for an interrogator, he was ideal because he just gave them whatever they wanted to know about. So, but I think the, <laughs> I think the, the funniest one is a guy taking off finding that Carlton Plates Bingo Hall yeah. t-shirt. <laughs> well, the, um, one of the, I don't know if they were the unit that we took over from, or if it was the previous unit, but uh, one of the American units anyways, in, in our area of operations at one point was, uh, was from Hawaii. Yeah. So you drive by villagers or kids and they would all give you the, the, you know, the, the thumb and the pinky finger, the hang loose symbol. And you, yeah. you're staring at them like, what the <laughs> I remember driving by a, Buying through a small village, and the, they were standing outside a, the shop or whatever the hell it was. And this one kid uh, waved to to us as we came by, and he, the guy behind him just smacked him, like yeah. nearly knocked him over. As in those people you don't be friendly with, kind of thing. But, yeah. You know, we waved back, and, or I waved back, and I see him get smacked. Oh, you fucker! I mean, what are you doing that to a kid for? But we we were the invaders, I guess. So, anyways, back on topic. 
yeah. uh, your, sub- <laughs> your subsequent, I tend to go down rabbit holes. I blame it on the guests. So yeah. it's your fault. <laughs> so uh, uh, your success, your next firefights, what was the biggest one you were involved in, your biggest tick? That's a um, troops in contact for anybody that doesn't know. Yeah, kind of the most notorious one, I guess, would be uh, the 3rd of August, the uh, the white school in, okay. uh, in Zari. Oh, you were in on that one? Yeah. Um, again, that was primarily Charlie Company, um, but we were uh, two platoon at the time. A Company was was back in uh, Kandahar Airfield as uh, as the QRF or the, the quick response force or quick relief force, whatever you want to call it. QRF. Um, and yeah, we ended up getting the, the phone call to, to bug out and head over there uh, ASAP early. Bring lots of ammo. Early-ish in the morning. Um, and yeah, we showed up. Uh, I don't remember exactly when. Um, I think it was just as or just after um, the four guys or the, the three guys um, were, were killed. The two warrants and uh, oh, who's the other guy in the in the uh, in the G wagon? You mean, right? No, no, they were um, for the first casualty or the first KIA was was a guy named Chris Reed. And it was uh, they were advancing to uh, to the white school, right? And um, they were driving on a road. He was a lab driver and uh, hit an IED. Um, the other three guys um, were were stacked up against a wall uh, at the school in one of the outbuildings. Yeah, and then an RPG hit a wall uh, behind them. Jesus. If I'm not mistaken, one of the guys was shot in the stomach first, and the other two guys came around the corner to to provide first aid. Yeah, when the RPG uh, hit, it was it amazed me how solid those walls were. Oh, it's incredible. Made out of mud and dung, I guess. And yeah. you know, several thousand years of construction knowledge, I guess. Yeah. Well, they've been doing it that way for centuries and it holds up yeah. to to quite yeah. the explosion. Yeah. So what what was I guess um not your lowest moment, but what was the uh the, when did you realize or when did you decide fuck I've had enough of this kind of thing? And uh, it's time to go home. When when were you ready to get home? Or were you ready to stick um, it out for a longer time? Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I don't... I remember wanting to stay. There, mm-hmm. there were some rumors at the time that they were going to uh, offer an extension yeah. to guys. Um, just because things were so chaotic as, as we were leaving. Um we left, we ended up leaving, I guess, mid to late August. I want to say around the 20th of August when, um, when RCR kind of, um, took over for us. Yeah. And subsequently they went on the, uh, Medusa operation. Oh, Medusa is the one I was thinking of the two warrants, RCR warrants getting killed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I do vaguely remember wanting to stay, but at the same time, once I got home, I was like, <laughs> Maybe that wouldn't have been a good idea. <laughs> uh, did you do two or three tours of the place? Uh, two. So you so, were a sergeant by the time you hit the second one. Pardon me. You were a sergeant when you got to the second one. No, I was a uh, master corporal on the second one. Oh, okay, I think they yeah. listed you in the Legion magazine uh, article I I read as a sergeant. Really? Yeah, I could be wrong. I've been <laughs> known to be wrong. I never admit that, but I have been known to be wrong. 
<laughs> well, on the um, on the second tour there, I was there on three of '09. Um, we actually had a, a Legion reporter, Adam Day, um, embedded with us. Yeah, he unfortunately committed suicide a few years back. Yeah, I think I remember hearing about that. Yeah, but he uh, he was a good dude. Yeah, I mean, uh, most of them were. They were just there to do a job. Uh, yeah. Christy Blatchford, for instance, I remember uh, yeah. her. <laughs> There's a good first story there, but I won't tell it. Uh, that's for her to know and the medic that was with her to uh, <laughs> to know. Um, but she, you know, talking to these guys, they weren't looking to screw people over. You know, I'm sure they would have loved a good juicy war crimes uh, story. Yeah. But um, for the most part, they were there just to tell a story in the guy's own words kind of thing. No, for sure. Um, we... Um on that, that first firefight, that first operation I was talking about, we ended up having uh, um, an American, I forget what they call it, ETT or something like that, an embedded training team. It was their version of our omelet, yeah. the upriver mentor liaison team. Yeah. Um, he was an American major, and he was in charge of, um, I want to say it was it was at least a section of, uh, of Afghan National Army guys. Right. But, but with him, they had uh, an American photojournalist embedded with him. And then we spent, you know, the next couple of days, two or three days fighting. Um, and the Amer- at the end of it, this, uh, this American uh, was like, yeah, you guys, you guys are awesome. I'm going to try and hang out with you guys for, for a while. <laughs> and he ended, up, uh, yeah, he ended up staying with us for, for a couple of weeks. Um, well, for, when I was with that... When I was with Kansoff, the Americans would bring their, uh, we shared a camp and the uh, Americans would bring their uh, their guides to me, the ones with the bigger problems, because they didn't have a, a physician assistant or anybody, a doc. So yeah. they'd bring guys to me quite frequently. And uh, when first tour was in uh, Kabul, and when we got uh, hurt Americans, wounded Americans, they were brought into us. Um, they uh, they loved it because the nurses looked after him really well. The rest of us looked after him really well. They got much better treatment than they did in the American uh, um, hospitals and small yeah. clinics. So they I, were more uh, than happy to come with us. Yeah, I, I felt bad for uh, for most of the Americans I met. I know uh, I met one guy one day. We were just shooting the shit in uh, Kandahar Airfield there, and he. Uh, he had been in Afghanistan for, I think he said 12 or 13 months straight. And he was flying, he was getting ready to fly to Iraq where he was going to be there for another eight months. Yeah. Just brutal. Years. And they were supposed to uh, get the same sort of deal we get. You know, you're, you're gone for your six months and then you're back for a few months before getting deployed again. But their, their tempo, as you know, is so incredibly high. They couldn't afford to take guys off the line. So they'd rotate them from one sandbox to another sandbox. And it's just unbelievable. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. You know. Oh, they did get to collect two hundred dollars because they got little bonuses for things like that too. Yeah, as if money makes up for you know your mind being broken from constant touring. Yeah, and and it's not the Rolling Stones kind of tour: sex, drugs, and women. Unfortunately, (laughs) no. There's a drugs and there's a goats, but yeah <laughs> it's highly in, inadvisable for a canadian to partake of both well maybe you can take part in the hashish now because it's all legal yeah. <laughs> afghan kush yeah well i i can remember 
a little kid in the market holding up this just this huge fish fistful of hash. How he got it in, I well probably because dogs didn't sniff for uh, drugs or something. But he yeah. asked if I wanted hashish, and he had this huge chunk of hashish. It would have been a small fortune back here in Canada, but <laughs> yeah, not there. Found the, uh, found the same I thing in the Libya. Mistake. I made the mistake of trying. You know how they had that green kind of really fine tobacco, chewing tobacco. Oh, I never went near it. Yeah, I, I made the mistake of one day trying it, and I just tried a little pinch, and I I don't know if there was opium in it or fucking what, but. <laughs> Yeah, you got quite the buzz. My, uh, my section commander, I was like, yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> not doing so well right now. <laughs> Somebody slipped some LSD into my chewing tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> so you, how, how did your second tour compare, compare to your first? Were you just as eager to get into it? Uh, no. no. What, what uh, had changed? Second, second tour was uh, a winter tour, um, and it was purely dodging IEDs. Yeah. Um, I, I ended up having more mental health issues from that tour, um, due to shitty leadership and, uh, just the nature of the tour than, than the 06 tour. Yeah. You were with the Patricia still at that time? Yes, I was. Yeah. yeah. Still with uh, a company, but I was in one platoon this time. Is that why you got released was, um, mental injury? Pardon me? Was mental injury the reason you got, uh, released? Yes. Ultimately, yes. It wouldn't keep you around for an extra three years, eh? No, no. And uh, I, I originally I asked, but in hindsight, uh, I'm glad they didn't give it to me because, yeah, I was uh, I was getting pretty pretty miserable there towards the end. And well, we need needn't get into that. We'll dwell on the happier thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, so so your maturity other than other than. Um, the, the 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 excitement of the first tour you didn't anticipate the excitement of the second tour as much uh, because you knew the risks I'd imagine yeah there there considerable more uh, trepidation going into it for sure yeah um, the, I I think somewhere in the back of my head I I knew the issues we were having with with leadership and that the majority of the fights we were going to have we we're going to be within yeah. Um, I just didn't consciously realize it, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I don't regret going. You know, I'm, I'm glad I still went. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think one of the, among some of my friends who had gotten out by the time Afghanistan came around or were otherwise unable to uh, deploy, that is yeah. their, one of their biggest regrets is not going to Afghanistan. And no, I mean, it was our war, right? I mean, it was something like yeah. not not going to the big game. Like, come on, you got to send me yeah. in, coach. Yeah, that's what's the analogy? It's like a a heart surgeon spending nearly ten years training to to perform surgery and never actually getting to do it. Yeah, I, I talked with Royce uh, Royce Roberts, and his yeah. uh, his interview will be coming out on the ninth of January. I think is when I've got it posted to come out. And right uh, we we had the same same sort of discussion, you know. Not you, as foolish as it was to to because we were both older guys when we got in, and so we realized yeah. the foolishness of it. But we we yeah. still wanted to go. Wouldn't miss it for the world. And in retrospect, I'd do it all over again. Yeah, a hundred percent, Steve. And yeah. that's 
that's the weird dichotomy of it all that I don't think a lot of people realize, you know, when the, between the adrenaline rush and, you know, what I was referring to earlier, just being able to let go, um, it, it's freeing, you know, and there, there's no absolutely zero aspect in here in normal life and back at, back home in normal life that, that you get that. Well, it's, it's primitive, you know, it's, yeah, a, it, it really is. It strips yeah. away all the, all the bullshit that you get with everyday life, all the bills and, you know, girl problems and yeah, there's, there's no political correctness. And, yeah. It just, it strips all that away and it, it goes right back down to your base kind of it's survival, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's intoxicating really. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll have to, if you wanted to do a talk about, uh, uh, mental injuries and PTSD and OSI, we'll, we'll do that at another time. Uh, yeah, for sure. Rather than get into, get into it here. No, for sure. Um, I'm, uh, I'm pretty open about it. So. Oh yeah. Well, most of the guys are. And, here we go down a rabbit hole again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a deep rabbit hole, but most of the guys have said what helps is talking to somebody who who understands what they went through, uh, or um, talking yeah. to guys with similar experiences helps get them through it. And yeah, um, for sure. I, I think definitely we can schedule you in and we'll talk about it. For sure, um, man. Because the whole the whole idea uh, did I mention this at the beginning? The PTSD. The whole reason I was doing it was to try to draw awareness to it. You know, try to try to um, like the one with Derek. Uh, um, I'm sure Derek Lewis. You know Derek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know Derek. I mean, the one when we we spoke about it was like everybody that's heard it, like this one is just a couple guys shooting the shit. You know, yeah. you're having a few laughs, but you're talking about something serious, and hopefully somebody picks up on some of what you have to say, and it helps him out in some way. Yeah, no, that's good, and that's. You know, I'm, I'm no longer part of the team, so to speak, but there, there's certain aspects that I, that I still want to be part of. And if, if I can help guys in any, any way at all, then I'm happy I'm to in, do it. You know, you uh, mentioned in the beginning some of the funnier black humor. Anything spring yeah. to mind? Yeah, uh, a couple things, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's um, hear them. The, the one. Uh, and remember, my mom is listening to this. Pardon me? I said, remember, my mom is listening to this. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> yeah, and Peter's mom, too. Um, no, not, nothing terrible. And it, it's more one of those, they're, they're, those things that they're, they're funny to me. And again, I don't know if other people find them funny. But the, um, the two incidences that stick out, one um, was that uh, when our headquarters car got hit by the IED, I was uh, I was driving the G wagon right behind it at the time. Uh, the way we rolled was we didn't have any uh, electronic countermeasures yeah. within the labs. The G wagons had uh, had them, um, so we would spread the G wagons out in between the labs to hopefully oh, prevent high going off. Yeah. So I was driving right behind it, um, went off, um, smoke kind of settled, and my platoon commander his standing on top of the lab and his, his leg is on fire. So, you know, <laughs> being me, I was like, oh, shit. You know, I go running out there and managed so, to get him off the lab and uh, put him on the ground and put the flames out. He, and, uh, he didn't realize his leg was on fire? Well, he didn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Talk about mine, focus. <laughs> yeah, a buddy of mine comes running up uh, beside me and he starts um, 
lob an M203s in, in, into the uh, countryside because he right. thought he, he thought he saw someone. And our uh, SOP at the time was anytime there was an IED, you know, you get out and you you light up the countryside. Right. Um, but yeah, I looked at him and I yeah, I was a C9 gunner and uh, I looked at him. And I was like, hey, Mike. He looks at me. And he's like, what? And I was like, I forgot my uh, forgot my C9 in the G wagon. I'm gonna have to run back and go get it. <laughs> so run back and I go grab it and kind of beetle in between. The, <laughs> the I'm line. back now, ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Like an idiot, I forgot my, my rifle in the car. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to be on exercise back here in Canada and forget your uh, yeah, rifle, but yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different thing. I, I remember yeah, a young yeah. medic, she was in Kandahar, and she left her her pistol on the table. Was it her pistol? I can't remember. She had left a uh, weapon on the table, and uh, one of the local cleaners picked it up and returned it. <laughs> so... She, <laughs> she was supposed to be in for a world of hurt, but nothing yeah. for whatever reason never be, became of it. So, yeah. <laughs> but that's the, uh, the the second incident that sticks out was that um, it was the second day of that that first that Operation Zahara that I was talking about, and um, we had been getting ICOM chatter all all day that they were setting up an ambush. And ICOM is what for those that don't know? Pardon me. ICOM is what for those that don't know? Yeah, it's the um, it's essentially the radios that the uh, the Taliban or whoever w- would talk back and forth, but they were un- non encrypted, so right. it, was, it was essentially just something you could get at Canadian Tire. Yeah. Um, so we had the ability at the time to to listen in, listen in and our it. interpreters would tell us what they were saying. Yeah. But the uh, yeah, we were getting chatter that they were going to set up an ambush. Um, so we, we kind of stopped along this wall, kind of shoulder height wall, slightly lower than shoulder height wall. And I'm sitting there with my C9, I'm looking down the scope, and I see a guy um, walking um, from my left to my right. And he's maybe 100 meters away. Um, yeah, he's got an AK-47 slung. So I, I called it out. I was like, hey, Warren, um, I see a guy with an AK. And he looks at me and he goes, well, then fucking shoot him. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Why are you hesitating? <laughs> I, I had that a similar experience uh, coming through Ke- uh, Kabul, and uh, we were rolling along in a two-vehicle convoy at the time because the threat was uh, was low, and uh, I'm I'm hanging out the hatch, and I see this guy, and he's carrying an AK, and I'm. So I, I wave, I nodded at him, and he doesn't nod back. He's sort of coming towards me through the uh, the crowd, and uh, I brought my my weapon up into the low ready, and then uh, he's I wave, and he still doesn't doesn't uh, wave back. He clearly he sees me, and I'm going, "What the fuck is this guy doing with an AK in national man jammies dress?" Yeah, and he's not acknowledging me. So I brought my fucking weapon up into the ready. And he decided to take a shortcut the other direction, <laughs> but yeah. it was just so surreal. Yeah, it, it really is at times. Yeah, I had another incident on uh, the 09 tour. Um, the our ROEs, our rules of engagement, had had changed considerably between the two tours. And uh, in 09, we uh, we had to use escalation of force quite quite a bit. Yeah, and one of the one of the things we were using were these pen flares. So, you know, you'd, you'd wave to try and get someone to stop. And if they didn't stop, you'd light off a pen flare. And if they didn't stop, then you could 
you know, fire warning shot, et cetera. Yeah. Um, well, we were on a, out on this vehicle checkpoint at the time, and I was uh, I was crew commander of a of a lav, and I was in in the lav, and we were overwatching this checkpoint. Um, and we were there for several hours, but I had run out of pen flares, and I see this car coming up to the, the checkpoint and I'm waving. He's not stopping, you know. I'm still waving, still not stopping. I'm like, fuck, what am I going to do? I don't have any pen flares. So I was like, fuck it. I reach down and I, um, I launch, um, a bank of the, the smoke grenade dischargers in the lab. So there are 60 or 70 millimeter smoke grenades and there was four of them or five of them that, I, that I launched and had I planned it, I couldn't have done a better shot, but they landed like right in front of his car. <laughs> <laughs> and he came to a screaming hole. As you would <laughs> if you had any brains. Yeah, and I looked over at my platoon commander, and uh, he was just fucking dying laughing. <laughs> he was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> the shit we find funny. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I'll give you the last word before we sign off here. We're coming up to an hour. I'm trying to keep it keep it around an hour. Yeah, man. Um, so, famous last words from you? Um, not really. <laughs> um, would you advise anybody to join the military that's a tough one I know one of my uh, nephews is thinking about it right now um, I loved it you know I it, it was a great job for me at the time um, you know I loved being in Afghanistan uh, I, I'd go back like Royce and the other guys have said I'd, I'd go back in a heartbeat yeah um yeah, so that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you some time to think about that. And you can get back to me. Yeah, because they're yeah, it's a it's a complex issue. Yeah, exactly. Leadership, unfortunately, I think is uh, is failing right now. Yeah, that's a whole other ball of worms that we can we can talk about at another time. Well, I think that's definitely a topic. I just got so much on the go right now. I'm trying to I'm trying to learn how to edit these things and yeah. Um, patching them together where it needs to be patched and it's quite the learning process but i've, I've been enjoying it a lot yeah right on okay so i'll i, I guess uh the final word goes to me then thanks a lot for coming out and telling us your uh story or yeah, stories and uh thanks for avoiding most of those rabbit holes <laughs> <laughs> and to all of those out there that are listening to rock is Bacchus, um thanks for listening thanks mom and maybe uh shane's mom will be listening too <laughs> Tell her I'm big with moms. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this, Steve. This is pretty cool. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for showing up, man. No like, like I said, contact me at any time, and uh, you got a topic to talk about. We'll talk about it. Right on, dude. All right, brother. Have a good one. I, I don't have any cool music uh, like the charge to uh, si- send you out <laughs> off with. So <laughs> just hum a cool tune to yourself. Right on. All right. Cheers. Thanks again, guys. Uh, Take be, care. Be, uh, live your life now because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring and be good to each other out there. Cheers.